Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company, Silver 7's, you heard it. Flamingo in Paradise, happy hour has started. Three until five o'clock, 277 on Margarita's Beers and Shots. Willie Ramirez is the company. Jed's helping out down here as well. A lot, a lot of big news today. What a day. I thought we had the uh, blockbuster of the day with the uh, news of USC and UCLA on the move in a couple of years, but then Kevin Durant news came down, and just a few minutes ago, Willie, we had uh, indications that the three-day hearing with Deshaun Watson, it's done, but Sue L. Robinson needs more time. So in all likelihood, this is going into July. All right, let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. We will get to that sitch in more detail in the four o'clock hour. So, I mentioned uh, USC and UCLA. Just here we go, right? We've been through this before with college sports Armageddon. This one's probably the craziest we've seen because of the regions of the country. But yeah, the news is in as of like eight hours ago. Uh, John Wilner, who covers the Pac-12 about as well as anyone, is very well sourced said that USC and UCLA will be joining the Big Ten in a couple of years. I saw Pete Thamel followed up with, um, hey, it's just a formality at this point. Probably press conferences in the next couple of days. This is a done deal, and all of a sudden the wheels start turning. But just your thoughts on USC and UCLA and the match with the Big Ten and why the Big Ten would want them and why they'd want to go to the Big Ten. Well, I, I believe that the... First of all, let me just say, talking about we've talked about this before with different conferences, different moves. The Texas-Oklahoma was obviously a big one when they announced they're leaving Big 12. I think this is probably the biggest of all time. You're talking about staple marks of the Pac-12. I mean, I know Oregon's yeah. been a power in you know in, in football, and we've seen them their ascension in basketball. They are, they are, they are the Pac-12. They, they're it. Texas they're and Oklahoma. The of it. Texas, Oklahoma, and the Big, Big 12 is a relatively new conference. Texas was Southwest Conference. It used to be the Big Eight. Yeah, we and Oklahoma young. and Oklahoma was the Big Eight. So right. that's just kind of that, and it's in it's in that region. And Texas, yeah. Oklahoma isn't that far away, you know, from the edge of the SEC. And we're talking about now a border to border conference right. that includes many of the biggest cities mm-hmm. in this country, with UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten again. If you're just tuning in, this sounds like when I first saw it, I was like, "All right, someone hacked John Wilner." No, this this is real. Yeah, but it, I, I would say yeah, it is probably the biggest realignment news in the history of college sports. And I believe the Big Ten, I, I, I don't want to use the word automatic, but it makes sense in terms of the relationship that institutions from those two conferences, I mean, starting with football with the Rose Bowl, right? So, I mean, in, in general, I think there's a relationship. And for them, it maybe it makes sense. Big Ten's been around a long time. Like I said, Big 12 used to be the Big 8. The Big Ten's been the Big 10. SEC's been the SEC. Pac-12 used to be the Pac-10, right? So... Um, I, I, I don't I, – I, obviously, they're not going to go to the SEC. Um, I can't imagine they're, they would run to the Big 12 when Big 12 powers are moving. So it, it, it somewhat makes sense. You know, where else are they going to go? So, I mean, and I think that, like I said, the, the built-in relationship with Pac-12 and Big 10 and, and especially in football. Um, and can you imagine one of them two winning the Big 10 and then facing someone in the Pac-12 in the Rose Bowl? Pretty crazy to think, right? Uh, weird happenings early in the day when it came to NBA free agency. Technically, this is the beginning right now at 3.04. It started up at 
3 o'clock, Miles Bridges, who is expected to be a coveted guy, arrested in L.A. Now, all it said was released on $130,000 bail, felony charge. So I'll just leave it at that. I have no idea this could be be anything. Uh, But what it signaled was kind of a wacky beginning to the best offseason of all offseasons. The NBA offseason is awesome because there's so much player movement. There's so much player freedom. I know old school fans don't like it. Now, I think a lot of old school fans who comment on this actually don't watch the NBA. So I'm not sure the NBA needs to be concerned about those fans. But that news this morning is followed up by Kevin Durant, who's not a free agent, but Durant coming out with news that he wants to move. We've got guys like Brad Beal who could be available. Maybe Kyrie Irving is available now, even more so, because Durant wants out. So, like, we are we know in Vegas we got the Summer League, but we also know along with following the younger players and the rookie class, we know we're going to have basketball for the next, like, three weeks because there's, there's so much player movement and rumors of player movement. And the meetings that take place, you know, a lot of people they have the NBA Summer League that comes here, but the host hotel – there's a lot of meetings that take place, and that's where a lot of deals have been made. We've seen. I mean, I've, I've been out there for enterprising projects, and all of a sudden I get a text or, a, or something, and, hey, can you run here? Can you get there? Can you get over there? Can you find this? Someone's holding a press conference outside of the Cox Pavilion, whatever, and it's and it's about a deal that's been broken. I remember one time sitting in the Cox Pavilion, and uh, I can't remember if it was Ron Artest or World Meta, whatever, and, and, and it, was, it all went down right there, and he, it was crazy because there were videos and – pictures of him walking along the baseline to go where they were going and and i'm sitting there watching live video and we're all on it and it was it just went nationwide because of i can't remember what what had broke at that time it was several several obviously years ago but uh those are what a lot of deals are made so i would expect those 11 days are going to be wild and we'll be out there of course on the concourse nba summer league station is all about it no doubt uh silver sevens on a thursday in just a little bit we continue our series of previewing UNLV football opponents. Oh, that's going on as well. Football's right around the corner, so we'll talk to one of the guys who calls the games for Hawaii. Uh, you want to come down here and play with the A-play card. If you haven't signed up, Flamingo and Paradise, Silver 7, sign up for the A-play, and they've already got their July promotions all lined up. Sunday giveaways include a lot of stuff, a lot of outdoor stuff. They're going to have a soaker hose on July 10th, a free giveaway with your A-play card, folding camp chair later in the month, uh, outdoor light set. I have. Uh, I just bought like a set of 50 of those i love those freaking things and then at the end of the month a tool set but they have three free giveaway days here all month long uh, each and every week at silver seven so come on down enjoy happy hour and sign up for the a play card join the conversation on twitter at espn las vegas yeah stanford taken out northwestern a couple of years ago and that's been a game that they've played for a while maybe not consistently but you know big 10 pac-12 have played games they're like-minded institutions, so why not? But news out this morning that the Pac-12 will lose UCLA and USC to the Big Ten, so we'll address that as the show moves along. We're going to talk a little Hawaii football and UNLV football in about uh, 10 minutes or so, so that's coming up. Kevin Durant, the other big news of the day, and a lot of strong reaction to this. I, again, I always reference old-timers, Right? I don't think you are an old-timer. I don't think you think like an old-timer. I think you've you've morphed and adjusted with the times. But maybe I'm wrong in this. Uh, but there's a lot of people out there who are going to you know, point at Kevin Durant and say, hey, he's a quitter. Why does he stay around? Oh, he's jumping ship. Well, today he demanded 
a trade. I don't know what that means. I don't know that the Nets have to trade him. It sounds like they're cooperating, at least shopping him and seeing what kind of offers they can get for him. But what's your reaction to just a day after or two days after Kyrie Irving's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to opt in. I'm going to take this last year of the contract. <laughs> the next day, Kevin Durant's like, yeah, I want out. I want to leave. I think it's telling of the organization. I think, you know, because this was like right after the – remember, we I think we were in this exact same spot after the Nets were eliminated and we were talking about how Kyrie was like, yeah, I'm ready to sit down and be a part of the decision-making and conversations with Kevin and and then and the upper managers. Remember that? And we were like, wait a minute, uh, this is Kevin Durant's team. So and, – and Durant – that that was that was to piggyback on what Durant had said. You know that they're going to go into the offseason and discuss. Well, obviously someone's not on the same page, or this is a reflection of the organization in terms of what Durant perceives for the future, because he wants out. And I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I mean, if that's if that's what he wants to do, and he's demanding a trade, then I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to sit here and. It's one of those things where you have – I don't care how happy somebody – like, for instance, Golden State, they're the champions. In the back of somebody's mind, they're just sitting there going, gosh, I just hope that nobody wants out because that's just the way of the NBA. And in, a, in, in reality, it's the way of pro sports. It's the way of pro sports. It's the way of life for people, uh, people who have options. If you have no options, then you're probably going to stay at the same job for the rest of your life. When people have options – they look around and go, you know what? This isn't a winning team. This isn't a winning company. This isn't a winning culture. I need to get out of here. And if I have options, then I'm going to take advantage of those and leave. And listen, I wish I knew all of the behind-scenes stuff with how Kyrie Irving became a net. And I think Kevin Durant is a really interesting study. Is he a passive-aggressive guy? He seems to be a real weirdo in monitoring social media. So I don't know what he's like to manage. So before I pass judgment on a guy and go, he's a quitter, um, I think people like to win. They like to live places where they feel good. Honestly, unless I knew I was on a winning team, I wouldn't play on any New York team. New York sucks. New Jersey sucks to live in if you have to go places to work. Now, these guys are super rich. So they can get driven to work, but there are still other places around the country where life is more simple, that it's more desirable. You know, not everyone's cut out to play in New Jersey and New York. Not everyone's cut out to play in L.A. People have different desires. And, again, when you're around an organization that clearly they made a terrible judgment error on Kyrie Irving. He is not reliable. He's incredibly inconsistent. Like, I wouldn't want to be around that situation. If I had options, I'd be looking to get out. Yeah. No, I, I, that's what I'm saying is I don't, I don't blame him one bit. It's toxic, and this is a guy who I'm not even going to say that where like he's at the, he's definitely on the backside of his career, but he's not on a downslide. And I still think that at his peak, he's the best player on the planet right now. I don't think he is. I think I think Giannis is. Um, I think he's still a top five player. But to your point, he's 34. He still has probably two or three years Good at years. a super high level. Yeah. If the Nets are looking at this and they're like, man, he doesn't want to be here. And we can have, like, 20 teams calling us. Now, realistically, I don't think 20 can trade for him, and he doesn't want to go to all 20. But, like, this is probably the time to get something for him and try to stay at a pretty high level. Keep in mind, Nets can't tank. Nets have no picks. Right. So I guess they could trade Durant and 
and try to get some picks, but like all their picks are gone. They did this whole build, get the hell out with the picks. So they're kind of in that middle road. They got to get good players back. This is the way to do it. There are three teams that have surfaced, the two that he mentioned, and a third one's mentioned uh, that, that's making a call. But So he, he, he had Phoenix, reportedly had Phoenix and Miami on his list, and then, of course, Philadelphia has now chimed in. The one place that is somewhat intriguing to me that I could see this guy going in and being the, the leader, the mentor for a team that's right on the, right on the cusp, I'd love to see him playing with the Memphis Grizzlies. I think that would be incredible. Daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., including 277 for pints, shots, and margaritas at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk some college football. We got so many changes here. Changes just on that uh, that call. Cordero out of Hawaii now with San Jose State. A lot of changes with Hawaii football. A lot of changes with uh, West Coast and Hawaii football today with the news that ucla and usc are moving out of the pac-12 in a couple of years to the big 10 willie cofield jed here at silver sevens let's bring in uh, john venary who calls the games for hawaii played at hawaii john how you doing good guys how's it going uh pretty good it's crazy our heads are spinning um you know because we're all kind of tied loosely to the pac-12 with, uh, you know, all the transplants yeah. here from California. So before we get to Hawaii football and UNLV football and Mountain West implications, give me your reaction. Uh, you know, you and I talked a, a little while ago, and then right after that we, we find out the news that the Big Ten has poached the Pac-12 for USC and UCLA. Yeah, this is this is huge. The implica- I mean, the domino effect is going to be huge, I think. It's just uh, you're, you're talking about the different conferences that it will affect, and it's, I, I definitely think it's going to trickle in or either – trickle or pour into the Mountain West, but uh, that remains to be seen. This is huge news. What do you think is more likely, that the Big 12 and Pac-12 kind of cannibalize each other, or the Pac-12 looks down to group of five like the Big 12 did and starts scooping up Mountain West schools? You know, I think uh, obviously that remains to be seen. The the Pac-12 going into the Mountain West, um, you know, there's been opportunities in the past. I Go ahead and name a couple of the schools, Boise State, what, San Diego State. I mean, where do they gain the most from those schools? I think I think more or less, this is obviously just my opinion, but more or less they're going to try to cannibalize from each other, I think. I, I don't think there's a whole lot to be gained from the Pac-12 going into the, into the uh, Mountain West, except for maybe Boise State, who has actually struggled the last couple of years. Um, but... You know, this is going to be big. I still think that there's still a lot of implications. You know, it's funny because it brings back these weird memories of how the Mountain West, uh, or some of the teams from the Mountain West left the whack, the way back whack, you know, and it's uh, it's one of those things that kind of brings back a little bit of PTSD memories, <laughs> to be honest, especially oh, yeah. a guy who played in Hawaii in the old whack. Yeah, and, it, and it's a scary time for a group of five schools because – 
you know, uh, some group of five schools could be welcomed into whatever it's going to be, 64 or 80, you know, power five uh, schools conferences, um, and others will be left behind. So now it's kind of, it's, in a lot of ways, it's kind of a gross arms race. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, in all these markets, we're all trying to put money into the programs. Like, you know, obviously UNLV just built, built their Fertitta football complex for like $35 million. It was clear that Aloha Stadium was not going to survive from a structural standpoint. So now Hawaii's had to invest money. So let, let's talk about that a little bit before we get to the team on the field. Uh, and the coaching situation. Let's just talk about the facility. So what exactly happened with Aloha Stadium, and then what's on the way? Well, uh, boy, you're asking uh, you're asking some, some loaded questions <laughs> for a guy who doesn't like to talk politics, but that's basically where it gets rooted into. Um, it, it is a pol- political thing. Um, let's start with Aloha Stadium, your first question. Aloha Stadium um, has been has been deemed the rust bucket for a number of years. Um, there has been concerts there uh, where, where, where things have fallen apart underneath the stadium. And while most of it looks okay uh, just by at first glance, there are a lot of structural things that are not right with the Los Stadium. And a couple of years ago, they, they, they deemed that it was not safe to have fans in the stands. They continued to play high school sports there, and they even had an all-star game um, on the field but they did not allow fans in the stands. I actually have called high school games for Spectrum, um, and we were allowed in the press box, But uh, and, and there were a few cameramen that were allowed along the um, uh, uh, throughout the stadium, but no fans. So that was a huge blow, especially um, because, you know, it's the only facility that can house, you know, 50,000 people, and while Hawaii has not had that many people in, uh, in the stands for a lot of years, there were still more fans in the stands at Aloha Stadium that could be, um, you know, that was the capacity for most of the high school stadiums, and including T.C. Ching. We all know um, that T.C. Ching needed some work. It had a bit of a stadium, but let's face it, it's, it's a small high school stadium at best. And so that's, a, that's the Aloha Stadium thing. Uh, you know, Hawaii is dealing with rail. Now there's plans to rebuild a, an entertainment center or complex surrounding the old uh, site where Aloha Stadium sits, and that will eventually have hotels and uh, and shopping marts and, and uh, you know a market and a stadium that I think was rumored to be about thirty to thirty five thousand seats, which which uh, is a good size. Uh, you won't get a Pro Bowl back here, you know, uh, and I don't think that that was ever in the plans. Um, but a hula bowl, uh, you know, uh, you've got, you know, you've got so many problems with the current Aloha Stadium. There's, I could get even more political that the, the that the school actually had to rent time in the Aloha Stadium to play, and that was a huge amount of money that they had to pay uh, on a yearly basis. And so there's so many reasons why you could build something on campus, and and maybe even in the site that uh, that the current TC Ching Field sits. There's also been talk about taking the two practice fields and with title nine you have to be able to provide a soccer field but the soccer field is parallel to the practice football field and uh, and and right next to the softball stadium so if you take those two and you build a stadium there and then you make the the current tc ching field the track and maybe a wahine soccer stadium then you're able to uh, you know you're able to house a stadium a football field on campus then you have parking problems there's not a lot of space how big would it be and budgetary problems. And with everything else here, uh, rail looks like it'll probably finally be running at full capacity, maybe in the year 2030. 
and that doesn't bode well for anybody who's looking forward to sitting in Aloha Stadium, a brand new Aloha Stadium in the next decade. I, I just that's the way I see it. So facilities, an issue, hopefully going to be remedied pretty soon. I, I know there was pretty lousy feelings coming out of the football season with Todd Graham. Well, that was ugly, but that got remedied. So let's talk about the new era of Hawaii football with a new coach. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting time. A lot of people were talking June Jones. Um, that name got brought up. He was clearly, he even interviewed for the position. He was, he was interested in it. He didn't, he didn't work out. Um, as planned, and then the next best bet was to bring in somebody like Timmy Chang, who provides right now a lot of excitement. His coaching staff, the guys that he has around him, are, are, are really good guys. Um, I've had conversations with them. Uh, what they'll be like as far as uh, coaches during a game-time situation obviously remains to be seen, but the players seem to have responded well uh, throughout spring. They are, they are continuing to grow as a, as a squad together. But, you know, I've, I've been up there a few times in the office and just kind of sat around, and, and it looks like they're genuinely having a good time. They're getting a lot of work done. They're, 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 you know, they're constantly looking at p- potential players to bring in. They're, they're moving guys around that are already in. They're looking for their best set of guys to put on the field. And this is an exciting time for Hawaii football to bring back one of the nation's um, – all-time best quarterbacks, you know, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in college football history uh, as your head coach. He's spent some time at some of the other uh, colleges. He's learned from some good coaches, and he's brought some good guys in to, to, to fill in the, the gaps around him. And so it's, it's exciting. I'm excited as a former player for Hawaii who only cheers for Hawaii, who calls the games for Hawaii. This has brought back some excitement uh, to a program that, quite honestly, couldn't keep putting band-aids on it talking to john venary hawaii football play-by-play man um so with the offense four starters back for offensive corner ian shoemaker he's got three on the line but there's a quarterback battle brewing uh or is there Braden shager a couple of transfers joey yellen from pittsburgh cam and cooper from washington state who do you think's best suited for this offense you know, uh, just going through spring, I don't put a lot of weight on spring, especially because uh, the last decade we've seen new coaches take over in the spring, and, and it's always hard to gauge. Uh, Braden Shager uh, played well at times in the, in the very few games that he played last year. Um, he also took some lumps, too, you know, but he does have a pretty decent arm. you got Cameron Cooper coming in from Washington State. He's a guy who, uh, you know... I he he looks good. He's got the build. He's um, he you know he's six foot five. He looks it on the field. He's a little lanky. Maybe not quite the arm strength that Braden Shager has, but uh, but but these guys worked really hard. I'm not certain, and I don't know if the coaches are certain that any one of these guys is the guy just yet. They they, they brought in a, a they're bringing in a guy from Pitt. Um, will will the fall be the the telltale? I believe so. Um, there is still a lot of work to be done with the quarterback situation. Although you did mention the line, I think that's the most solid group of the team so far. They are senior heavy. They've got three senior tackles. They've got two senior guards. This is a very experienced group with a lot of game time experience. Um, and, and I guess whoever the quarterback is can go into it having a little more confidence in what he has in front of him. Um, you lose about... I want to say about 30% of last year's production on both sides of the ball. Hawaii did not do very good nationally, but Hawaii 
is, I mean, you know, you've, lo- you've lost a few receivers. You lose a couple to the portal. You lose a couple to, uh, to graduation. You lose, you know, it, it, it's, it, they've gone bare at the, at the wide receiver position. But this is a team that through the June Jones era, then the Nick Rolovich era, they have been able to bring in uh, receivers that want to catch the football, that do a pretty good job. And when you have a certain type of offense that you can run, um, you, you don't you don't need the six five guys. It'd be great to have them that can run like the wind. But you you know if you can get a couple of really shifty slot backs that can run good complementary routes, and you've got a couple of guys that can go over the top, then then you're in good shape. And I think that they have a good solid base uh, of receivers. He's got a really fast in Zion Bones. He, he he's a guy that could actually fill in at the slot and and. And also run away from guys on on the top end. He's really fast. I believe he runs something like uh, they gauge it in, in miles per hour now, and I believe he runs something like twenty three miles an hour, which is ridiculously fast. Uh, he proved that last year. They've got Jonah Pinocchi. They've got a, a few guys there. I believe that this is going to be um, a good time to bring in receivers, especially if if guys want to have some stats. This is a team to do it. You've got Timmy Chang. Who ran the run and shoot as an author, uh, as, as a quarterback, and then you bring in Ian Shoemaker from Eastern Washington, who, who literally, I mean, they throw the ball all the time for, they threw the ball all the time under his under his reign, yeah. and so it's going to be kind of interesting. He's a guy who's going to who's going to uh, run the offense. I've talked to Timmy about this. I asked him straight up, "Are you are you helping out with the offense?" And and he said, "No, this is Ian's offense." Timmy is going to help out with the receivers because he knows how to read defenses, and and this is an offense that will use the run and shoot in the wide receivers position, and, and they will run routes according to what what they read, and so it'll be on the fly type reading and routes run uh, for this offense. But Ian Shoemaker is he is the guy that's running it. It's an up tempo spread type offense, and I'm excited about that because I believe Hawaii needs to have. Uh, a gimmicky type offense, whether it be the spread that the spread option under Paul Johnson that I ran back in the early '90s, or the run and shoot that June Jones brought in uh, that Timmy ran as a quarterback. I think it's an exciting time for Hawaii's offense. John Maneri is with us, Hawaii football expert, played for Hawaii. He's now calling the games for Hawaii, moving over from the analyst chair. Last one, I got about a minute left. If the Mountain yeah. West goes to let's let's just assume the Mountain West is staying together for a couple more years, right? And they go to pods, okay. they go to like a four-team pod system, or a, mm-hmm. uh, let's say a four-school pod system. Who would Hawaii want to be with? I, for for us, UNLV has to be with Nevada. Uh, but who would Hawaii fans? Who, who would you, as a former Hawaii player, want to be with in terms of the schools you match up with? Well, I think the biggest rivalry right off the bat would be Fresno State. Um, okay. Well, you know that matchup has always been a huge matchup for Hawaii, and the games have always been well played, both there and in Hawaii. So those that that matchup for sure. Um, anywhere beyond that, I, I would say probably the San Diego State and San Jose State. Those um, those to me, right off the, the tip of my tongue, are the are the closest schools for one, and have had the best games. Well, we got the Ninth Island Trophy. Hopefully, that lasts longer than just like you know five or six years. Hopefully, you and Hawaii uh, well, get to play you know, in the future. Well, that's yeah, and that's that's the pod that I'm thinking. But you yeah. know, between UNLV and Hawaii, Hawaii fans love the Ninth Island. They love going to Vegas. Yeah. Um, they, you know, it's the second home for a lot of people. There are a lot of locals in Vegas, as you guys well know. And so, if there if there were a chance to have Vegas in that pod, 
then uh, you know then that's I, I would say there would be a huge push because the attendance for Hawaii people in Vegas would be really big for for uh, for that matchup. It was good last year at Allegiant Stadium, no doubt. Hey, John, I appreciate you stepping up on short notice, and we'll we'll talk soon. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. you. Have a good one. There he is, John Veneri. Uh, Hawaii had wholesale changes, so he mentioned new quarterback. Check that new coach in there. Also, the quarterback left. Uh, Chevin Cordero went to San Jose State, which I find fascinating because this transfer portal for quarterbacks. I see a lot of quarterbacks making changes, going somewhere else. They get to the next place, and it's like, wait, I don't have the job automatically? No, you don't. Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. You definitely had it. You have all the symptoms of COVID, and yeah. you tested positive. Fine, I had COVID. I, I had COVID. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Okay, so COVID's definitely different than the flu. Then it's definitely. Um, it's definitely different than the flu. It's this is an engineered virus. This right. is a virus that, that was created in a lab. I don't they, think they did it on purpose. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor Xavier Pope is live on Cofield and Company. Woo. That right there is a convo. Joe Rogan and Gina Carano. Xavier Pope is with us here. Silver 7's on a Thursday. Xavier, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How you guys doing? Uh, good. Did you watch any of that conversation with Gina Carano, who had COVID, described having COVID pretty badly, and she's like, is it? So I guess we're to the conclusion it's, it's more than the flu. Like, Gina, what are we doing? I just think that there's people are still grifting off this, though. Like, why are you still grifting off this? Like, there's the, there, what is the benefit of still bringing right. in the conversation? Like, even, even clearly, even Rogan's moved on. Like, he's like, you had it. Yeah, well, there's no arguing it. Yes, you had it. it yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's silly. I mean, like, some Tommy Lahren tweeted something about, you know, trying to dunk on people about COVID. I'm like, no one cares. Like, that, 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 that's played. Like, life is moving on for everyone. Just that no one wants to hear that crap anymore. Yeah, she's a, she's a weird character because I covered her a bunch in MMA, and mm-hmm. that's the way she kind of speaks in sort of a a ditzy way, playful way. And that's why when that whole Disney thing went down, when she was she's mentioning Hitler, and I'm like, what? what does she even know what she's saying here? This this whole yeah, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Like when you have a lot at stake, you just can't throw stuff out there, Gina. Uh, you know, Steve, I think it's just there is a certain group of grifters that feel as if they could say the most outrageously bigoted sounding thing. They actually think there's an audience that is delicious to eat that up. And in some instances, there are some uh, brands or celebrities or grifters, whatever you want to call those idiots um, that try to pale in that and traffic in that. Some are able to straddle that line and, and get get by and some um, just fly out aren't. By the way, I should correct what I said there. She really didn't have a lot at stake because she, she is one of the heirs, if, unless there's something I don't know about in uh, the will. She's one of the heirs to the El Dorado Casino fortune. Uh, that that company out of northern Nevada just bought Caesars so for, like, Ka-ching. tens of billions of dollars. Gina Carano, is, uh, she's going to be okay. I don't think that R. Kelly is going to be okay, and I've seen a lot no, of people no. trying to compare and contrast R. Kelly and Ghislaine Maxwell, can you explain to the audience, um, you know, without going into too much detail, like what the difference was in their cases and why one person got 30 years and the other person got 20? Uh, the difference is you tell me. I mean, I, I think that we have a, a criminal justice system that 
you know that that's in our it's statistically shown uh, some of the imbalance in sentencing but i mean the the issue is when you're trying to break it down to that effect um you're talking about two really awful people um that had a lot of sex trafficking and um that involved in the crime racketeering i mean putting it together going across state lines so I mean, those are pretty terrible things that people go to, to jail for a long period of time for. I mean, she's older than R. Kelly. So either way, they're both going to be in jail until they're old people. So um, they're both put away. Yeah, I saw some people theorizing that Ghislaine Maxwell would be out a lot sooner and then uh, someone else fired back. Well, it was, it was a, actually it was the feds who got her. So I don't think they really cut a whole lot of breaks for good behavior. No, they don't. Um, those minimum sentencing guidelines with the federal um, laws, you have what's where with, with Kelly's in state in New York. But uh, it, it, you have a situation right now where there was a time where those two people had a lot of a lot of influence. R. Kelly influenced a lot of music, yep. a lot of music um, that if you tried to shut his music down, like so many different really popular artists would be impacted and affected by it. And if you were able to see this black book that Maxwell had, it would probably impact a lot of rich and powerful people as yep. well. And that's where I would go down the path of uh, sentencing and, you know, two Americas. Listen, I'm not here to defend R. Kelly. He's a gross human being. He's a sicko. But there were a lot of people who benefited from Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell and their whole setup. When do we go after those people? Let's go. Where's the black book? You know what I mean? Yeah. Where are the where are the flight logs? Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that it, it, I think at the end of the day, you have to look at powerful people. They lobby very hard on our officials in society to get things done that they want. And you don't necessarily have an organized, powerful lobby for bringing um, matters like this. Uh, you you saw with R. Kelly, you know, when the surviving R. Kelly, that changed the whole narrative. Oh, but yeah. you need that in a lot of different circumstances in order to bring that to bear. And if you have a, a really um, powerful group that's able to keep pressing for that black book, maybe some of those names will come out. But I wouldn't hold you. I wouldn't hold my breath about it. No, no. If I if I do, I'll be I'll be out in a couple couple of seconds. Uh, Xavier Poe is with us, host of Suit Up News, attorney, cultural contributor to Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez is here. Willie, I want to bring you in the conversation on this one. Willie, you talk to more athletes face-to-face -face than I do. You're on a lot of beats. How many times do you talk to athletes and you're like, whoa, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if you wanted to say that, so you follow up, you follow up, you follow up. And what I'm getting at here is Draymond Green in a second and what he said the other day about Kendrick Perkins. But how many times over the years have you been like, man, I, I got to make sure they said yeah. what they wanted to say here. I'm going to help them out. Yeah, it's it's it happens, and and I always take in context. You know, I, I think about the conversation, and, I'll, and, I, and I can bring this up now. I don't have a problem with it. I'm just not going to say what he said. But um, so during the pandemic, when I regenerated my website and I was doing series, is I Ryan Reeves gave me an exclusive interview, right? And it was a it was a proud father series, and he was talking about the softer side of Ryan Reeves, and we were talking about how you're raising your kids and what you want to see for them. He said, you know, my son, he can do whatever he wants, blah, blah, blah. And he made, and the way he referenced as a father to a little girl these days and some of the things he said. So while I was going back over and transcribing my notes, 
I messaged him. Yeah. I was like, hey, I'm letting you know I'm throwing some ellipses in here because I know what you meant and you know what you meant and I can write and put it in context. But you know what? There will be somebody that will read this, right. screenshot it, and then put you on blast on social media. So my whole point here, Xavier, when Draymond Green talks about the new media, and I've said this and people know I've said this, be careful because new media means no filtered media. All of us are not right. evil in the traditional media. Sometimes we actually help you out. And when Draymond Green continues to go on video and really insulted Kendrick Perkins, Perkins got pissed. Yeah, I mean, Perk was was, was writing his response, and he just basically said, "You know, come come and do something about it. You know, you don't you know, you can say all these different things about me, but don't use that." way to describe me, understanding what the, the racial and the historical context well, what did, from one black Xavier, man to another. Xavier, what, what did he say? He called him, I mean, he, he called him a coon. Okay, and what does that mean? I mean, that's that's a term that's basically mean a, a black person who um, is a sellout. You know, right. they 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 harm the black community by, by proffering up and making an excuse for white supremacy um, and some of the different ills that we face in society. And that's not what Kendrick Perkins is at all. And so he had a right to be upset. That's like one of the worst names you could call someone. Now, if it's fitting, if you sit on a Supreme Court like Clarence Thomas and ruin the legacy of, uh, of, of Thurgood Marshall, then yes, you deserve that label. And I'm here to say, yes, that's who he is to be and many black people. But that's not something that relates to Kendrick Perkins at all. I'm here to watch. Draymond Green, because I have a feeling he's going to do a lot of apologies because he doesn't understand, you know, the power of words, man. Sometimes you go on, you're unhinged, you're emotional. you got to be really careful. Xavier, let me ask you a question real quick. With what Draymond's doing, he's a, he's a professional athlete that's doing vlogs, basically. He's coming on, he's doing his little podcast. But in the same respect that we have here on the air, does he have to abide by FCC rules? I mean, does he have to? Oh, defamation. It, Can I mean, it, is, is he going to get hit? I mean, we were just going to talk about a defamatory statement by Doug Gottlieb, but what, I mean, Draymond Green has to, he's hes a public figure, right? Doesn't he have to basically follow the same rules? And, you know, if he says something is fact and it's not, then he could be in trouble. Well, I mean, also to, you have to break down what defamation is right. and the standard, and uh, you really have to, you know, someone's a public figure, use your words to harm, intentionally harm someone, and there has to be some sort of harm that comes from it. Um, and... Okay, the term that the, an insult is is not the same as defamation. Um, what, what what specific set of circumstances that he may have alleged by Kendrick Perkins? There really is something that you could say point to a, a series of events that happened that he mischaracterized him. So I think that's important. For people to determine the difference between an insult and defamation. If Kendrick Perkins owned a bunch of businesses in urban areas and they went under because people stopped going there because you didn't, you know what? I don't want to give him my money. Does he have a case there? I mean, that's, that's I mean, that's that's a. a I mean, you a have pretty, to prove. You, you obviously have to prove that his words directly affected yeah, your I mean, business, you have, your value. You have to prove that he had he his words directly impacted that, but also right. that he had the intent of doing that to harm him. And I don't know whether he, whether that's is is actionable on on, wow. on a level to be defamation. So I think this one's interesting with Doug Gottlieb, radio host on Fox Sports Radio. He tweeted out Casey Close, agent for Freddie Freeman, never told Freeman about the Braves' final offer. That is why Freeman fired him. That sounds pretty factual. And the uh, 
The agency Excel said Doug Gottlieb tweeted a wholly inaccurate characterization of our negotiations with Atlanta Braves on behalf of Freddie Freeman. We are immediately evaluating all legal options to address this uh, reckless publication on, uh, of inaccurate information. Do they have something there? That's absolutely correct. Now, we all know that Doug Gottlieb if, uh, has run afoul of uh, the law before. Um, but it, this looks a little bit different um, than, than Draymond uh, and, and Kendrick Perkins. This, I mean, if, if Doug Gottlieb, this, this seems pretty on the nose type of, hey, I, I learned this piece of information yeah. to, to put it to that specifics. So to make something up like that seems that you would intentionally do that to harm someone. If this isn't true, and definitely is certainly is actionable. Yeah, at least tag a, from what I hear, sources say, something that's not sounding so absolute in fact. All right, let's get to the big NBA story of the day, Kevin Durant. First of all, mm. what's, your, what's your reaction to Durant taking this path and you know uh, asking to be moved? I mean, 16 games, Kyrie. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden played together. 16 games. Um, yep. What a failure by that organization to put three players together, thought it would work, it didn't. Um, but it's really big because Kevin Durant does this after Kyrie opts in. Right. To get, yeah, right. And then this, then, he, then there's rumors that he's being lobbied to play in Philadelphia. Um, and so it's like, whoa, okay, you go to play with Harden in Philadelphia? So the problem was Kyrie? Looks like it. It looks like <laughs> it, right? It's, it's bad. Um, I did see uh, one of the dudes. Well, I was going to say in Philly, but he's actually he's a program director. He's worked in Philly and uh, New York. Spike Askin, the son of Howard Askin, uh, put something out there today. Uh, Durant picked his teammates, picked his coach, won one playoff series in two years. Uh, sorry, that is loser energy. What do you think when you see stuff like that? I mean, I responded to him. It, I mean, it's idiotic. I mean, I said, well, Kevin Durant – uh, two finals, two final MV MVPs. He's an investor. Um, he is is, is rich uh, beyond this and beyond what people expect from where he comes from. Um, he looks like a winner to me. Um, and I just think that some people, especially that have never played the game, feel like they could just talk down to mostly African-American players and, and, and try to treat their life decisions as if there's some judge and jury over their lives and what they should do. And it's an ownership mentality of people who are free to do whatever the hell they want to do. Hmm. Interesting. That program director, like I said, is the son of a famous radio host and just recently moved from Philly to New York, kind of turned his back on Philly. Hmm. All right, I'll leave it at that. Um, big college football news today. It's big college sports news because it's, it, it's mostly about football. But I also I think you do need to take into consideration the academic institutions what is your reaction to the Big Ten going out and grabbing Pac-12 Giants, USC, and UCLA? I'm biased. I'm from Rutgers. We, I come from a school that did the same thing when the Big Ten reached out to the East Coast to bring in Maryland. So reach out to the West Coast, get USC and UCLA. I mean, this is the, I mean, this is the college sports landscape. Eventually, we're going to have just a couple of super uh, conferences and um, get, ganging together to make as much money as possible. That's that's capitalism. That's why players should get paid. I do think it's interesting that the Big Ten's approach in expansion has been to go and get big markets where people have jobs, salaries are rising, median incomes are rising. But the SEC has chosen the opposite, although Austin, Texas is, is a thriving city. But the SEC, while very interesting, does have a lot of places where there's flight and poverty and poor schooling. 
And they just have a, that's just where the schools are and they've developed over time. And, um, and the, the history of where places are in sports is just such a weird kind of thing that how cities developed over time yeah. and, and, and kind of reaching into that, the economics of that. These, and they, they're still making tons of money. It's just how it's developed is just a strange mix. And how it's developing college sports is way different than, say, the pros. Last 15 seconds. What do you got on suit up news? I'll be taking a holiday this week. Um, yeah, this is all July right. Fourth, having chilling back, eating some uh, something that's coming from the grill, some some vegan something, uh, enjoying this beautiful weather here in Chicago and having a good time. Put down like seventy five vegan dogs. Try to beat Joey Chestnut. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm not trying to beat that guy. I, 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 I'm been working out really heavy. I'm trying to keep this in order, baby. Xavier, I'll see ya. Love you guys. Have your holiday.